Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, welcome to yet another edition of Lynn Cullen still kind of alive, hanging on by her fingernails. It's August 12th. And it's, I guess, going to be the hottest day of of the year thus far. So uh, keep your cool and be smart. Uh, there's people working on the house next door. I can hear them banging around. They're up on the roof. God bless them. But I mean, I isn't there a point at which people who work outside should be told to cease and desist and maybe start working at night instead if these temperatures are going to get so life-threatening. I'm not saying they are here right now, although the Weather Service has put out a heat advisory, which does warn people to uh, to be careful and to look after themselves. Just saying. Uh, speaking of just saying, yesterday I pointed out while looking around desperately for some good news um, that the good news was that Dominion, the voting uh, people, the voting machine people, have uh, now sued uh, Newsmax and One America News, the two right-wing upstart networks trying to outflank Fox News, and uh, has sued them now. Uh, Their case against Fox is, you know, in the hopper, uh, Fox, I'm sure, desperately trying to uh, have it thrown out. But the good news today is that a judge, a federal judge, I believe, has said that Dominion's suits against Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, and that my pillow idiot can go forward. So if that is any indication of what might occur in Fox's and and the other outlets just sued yesterday uh in their efforts to have this not head to trial, it's not looking good. So this is this is all good news. Uh, the judge said all of these uh, suits can go forward. Dominion is seeking billions in damages uh, to its business as a result of the fraudulent and defamatory things that were said by these three and then the three networks in question. What's most astonishing and heartening the most heartening thing I read all day yesterday is that the judge who said, uh-uh, this, these cases are going forward. There is no reason to throw them out. They have legal standing and clear merit. That judge was one of the judges appointed by Donald Trump. Carl 
Nichols. God bless you, sir. Appointed to the D.C. District Court. He wrote the opinion. It came out yesterday afternoon. And he threw the book at these three Trump supporters. I just love this. He said that these insane, ridiculous statements made by these three were, could not be protected by saying they were political speech. Uh, some of, I'll, I'll read some of what this Trump lawyer said. The Trump judge said in regard to Sidney Powell, that awful woman. Powell cannot shield herself from liability for her widely disseminated out-of-court statements by casting them as protected uh, statements about litigation. An attorney's out-of-court statements to the public can be actionable, even if those statements concern contemplated or ongoing litigation. So he said what she's saying there is everything this woman says is crap. Giuliani has said that all this is is another act of intimidation by the hate-filled left wing to wipe out and censor the exercise of free speech as well as the ability of lawyers to defend their clients vigorously. The MyPillow guy, Lindell, Lindell, whatever it is, reacted to the judge by saying, Oh my God, this is horrible. You can get sued for anything now. <laughs> ah, let's see what else I can. This is considered a devastating blow to these three. And so the judge, the Trump appointed judge, gave the green light to Dominion to go for it. This case is not being thrown out. The judge went on to say that Dominion has adequately alleged that Powell made a number of statements that are actionable because a reasonable juror could conclude that they were either statements of fact or statements of opinion that implied or relied upon facts that are provably false. The judge said in regard to the my pillow idiot, in addition to alleging that Lindell's claims are inherently improbable, that his sources are unreliable, and that he has failed to acknowledge the validity of countervailing evidence, Dominion has alleged numerous instances in which Lindell told audiences to purchase my pillow products after making his claims of election fraud. And then the judge says something really interesting because he says Dominion has adequately alleged that Lindell, the MyPillow guy, made his claims knowing they were false or with reckless disregard for the truth. And there it is. 
because often in these kinds of cases, that is the hardest thing for somebody to prove. Oh, I know that person said that thing, which turned out to not to be true, but they didn't know that it wasn't true. And their intent was not to harm. They were just passing on information. This judge says that's not the case, clearly. That Dominion has already clearly shown that these guys knew what they were peddling was false. And they did it with reckless disregard for the truth, which means they're in big trouble. And one can assume the same for Fox News, Newsmax, and One America News. Dominion, I love you. Their actions are possibly going to do more for our democracy than anything that I can see happening necessarily in Washington, D.C. And here again, it is the judiciary, which is not always, you know, not always doing the right thing. But often these cases where you assume that the judge is already had, appointed by Trump, he'll do Trump's bidding. Trump's bidding here clearly is to dismiss these suits, and he doesn't. So, guys, that is just clearly good news. I'm looking for some other uh, quotes from – I read a number of stories on this. There was a Washington Post story uh, today. Um, yeah, I mean – he goes on to say, a reasonable juror would know that Powell did not have a video of Dominion's founder, which she said she did. This woman who just lies through her teeth, like the guy she's trying to protect, Donald Trump. She said she had a video of the president of Dominion saying that, quote, he can change a million votes, no problem at all. The judge said a reasonable juror could conclude that she did not have such a video. And he went on to say that a sensible juror could conclude that the my pillow guy's insistence on quote the existence of a vast international conspiracy that is ignored by the government but proven by a spreadsheet on an internet blog is so inherently improbable that only a reckless man would believe it i guess even if you're a trump judge these three clowns and their lies are so ridiculous and unprovable 
that, I mean, even a Trump judge couldn't sleep at night if he didn't let these cases go forward. Uh, Lindell continues to say that Dominion, well, I don't think he's going to say it anymore. He has said that Dominion carried out the biggest crime ever committed in election history against our country and the world. That they had somehow created an algorithm that would flip and weigh votes in its machines. So this is going to be interesting. Stay tuned because these three clouds at least are definitely going down. Sydney Powell, another one. She, she, one of her accusations was that um, there was an international cabal. Mm-hmm. You can always read Jews when they say that. An international cabal of communists and democratic officials working alongside the CIA, the Clinton Foundation, and billionaire investor George Soros. That's what is threatening the United States of America. I quote her again. What we are really dealing with here and uncovering more by the day is the massive influence of communist money through Venezuela, Cuba, and likely China, and the interference with our elections here in the United States. And then she goes and quotes some expert who had where she got all this information. One last thing from this Trump judge. He said that expert that Ms. Powell cites has also publicly claimed that George Soros, President George H.W. Bush's father, the Muslim Brotherhood, and leftists helped form the deep state in Nazi Germany in the 1930s, which would have been a remarkable feat for Soros, who was born in 1930. The thing is, Well, you know, we can laugh, I used to, I don't anymore, at the ridiculousness of these lies and claims that are peddled by people allegedly serving the president at the time of the United States of America. These are the guys he surrounds himself with. The My Pillow guy, Rudy Giuliani. But millions and millions and millions and millions more do swallow this. 
will. They swallow it. Which is why we read stories and hear stories that are impossible for us who still have a measure of sanity to comprehend. And it is definitely frightening to live in a world, in a country, in a neighborhood in a city, a state, wherever that are, where you are sharing space with so many of these willingly gullible, credulous people. I mean, I read a story today with one guy who swallowed the whole QAnon thing. Did you see this? It's too horrible to even, it's, it's, too horrible. But I, I saw it in the Washington Post today. This guy in California, he uh, he got his two little kids, just a 10-month-old daughter and a two-year-old son, little baby, babies. And he put them into his Mercedes Sprinter camper, camper van. He didn't have a car seat for the 10-month-old daughter, so he put her in a box. And then he drove from his home in Santa Barbara, California, across the Mexican border. And he shot each of them in the chest with a spear fishing gun. Now, it's because he had been enlightened, he told the FBI. He had become enlightened by QAnon. And the Illuminati. And he had received visions and signs saying that his wife possessed serpent DNA, which she had passed on to their children. And by killing them, he was saving the world from monsters. The FBI agent wrote, he knew it was wrong, but it was the only course of action that would save the world. So he had no choice. You know, you can't. In every way, he had seemed like a totally or regular person. Just a few months ago, he had posted a photo of himself and his wife with their two little kids on a beach 
and he'd written my treasures. I don't know. I don't know. And if you want more about deranged people, just just look at, I mean, there's videos out there now of like uh, school board meetings. Jeez, <laughs> Who would know? And, you know, you run for the school board because you think it'd be a good kind of a thing to do in terms of public service in your community. And it turns out you're you're sitting on uh, the front lines of the battle between sanity and insanity that this country is now waging. And at this uh, school board meeting, I don't know, somewhere in the great state of Tennessee, uh, Franklin, Tennessee, where the school board, apparently at risk to its life, the individual members risking their lives, did vote despite the angry mob of parents that attended their meeting, did vote to require masks at local elementary schools. Um, and if you've seen the video, my God, there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a someone approaching a guy who was who was a healthcare expert who had testified at the school board meeting. And the guy says, we know who you are. You can leave, but we will find you. And this is happening all over the place. A woman who is a surgeon at Vanderbilt uh, University, who was there as a parent. She's a mother of four kids. And she was there. She said, I decided I would go in a white coat, showing my medical, you know, credentials, and a mask to, sh to show the proper way to go to a public meeting in this time. And she never got to speak. She had to be escorted out because she feared for her life. The doctor said there were people screaming and threatening me, and I just couldn't believe it. Amazing. It's just amazing. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not, you know, okay. A little bit of uh, frivolity for a second speaking, because we had mentioned Giuliani. Um, did you hear that he's, you know, I don't know all, uh, what these things are, but there's, there's something called cameo that like a, a person can go on and sell themselves uh, to somebody, well, in Giuliani's case, he's asking for, I think, a hundred and, or is it $200? What's he, 
He's asking for $275, and he will make a video uh, for you if you pay him that money. You know, let's say you want to say happy birthday to somebody, and you want what would be a riot is have Rudy Giuliani say happy birthday. Actually, some of you might think that's pretty funny. Maybe I should actually, is it worth $275 to have Rudy Giuliani record a video for my mom's 99th birthday? You know what? It just might be. Except, of course, he'd get the money. Oh, but would that be funny? Anyway, so this is how desperate he is because he's got dominion coming at him. He has no means of making money anymore, and he could well be going to jail. Boy, what a, what a story his life is. And he is so desperate that he has put on this uh, cameo site that if you ask him, he will give you – he will respond within 10 hours. So Giuliani's now sitting somewhere in his underwear doing these videos for people at 275 bucks a pop. And Sarah Silverman – said this really the saddest part is he says he'll respond within 10 hours I mean his own prostate doesn't respond that fast oh my god so there's that and then I there's so much stuff. And, you know, it's not – none of it's – none of it's any good. It's all really anxiety-producing. How are we all – you all doing okay? I don't think I am. I really don't. I, I, I don't think I am. And uh, I took a COVID test yesterday. And – um I don't have it yet, Um, but I wanted to make sure I wasn't infected when I went to see my mother tomorrow. Uh, But who knows? Between the this horrible resurgence, the danger to children who are not able to be vaccinated. The fact that you have the CDC now clearly saying that booster shots are going to be needed. I mean, it's, it is all uh, a bit <laughs> unsettling. And that says nothing about, you know, what's going on in the halls of Congress and with, you know, the so-called workings of our, our government, which, you know, the wheels do keep turning but I, I can't watch anymore. I just wait for the, you know, the end of the story. I can't invest myself like I used to do in watching, let's say, the process. I can't. I think I've told you that. I can't. And it's why you don't hear me talking about like the infrastructure, this and the that, that. Because until they're, these things are whole and signed 
by the president of the United States, Joe Biden, I'm not going to despair. I'm not going to uh, declare victory. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to pay attention to the things that I have to pay attention to. God almighty. Sorry. Am I apologizing a lot? I feel like I am. I feel like I should. (laughs) I really do. Um, uh, This made my blood run cold. One out of every 153 workers in the United States, okay? Make a little chart. Of any group of 153 workers in the United States, we can boil it down to this. One of every 150 workers is employed by Amazon. And I say this as I saw a piece in the, I think, of City Paper about how Amazon is wanting to build a increasingly keeps getting bigger facility off of Butler Street in Lawrenceville. And this will, you know, be, this will make a lot of trucks, delivery trucks be coming and going. Have you been on Butler Street lately? I mean, that is a narrow street. It's got businesses and restaurants on both sides. Traffic goes at a snail's pace and Amazon is wanting to come in. And you tell me if there's a way to stop them. The folks in Churchill are fighting them. People in Lawrenceville are now fighting them. The thing is, people say, oh, but there'll be jobs. Well, let me tell you, if you looked at what the rent prices and home prices are in Lawrenceville these days, it's been gentrified. So nobody who works at this facility is going to be able to afford to live near the facility. So they, the workers, will be adding to the traffic by having to drive in to Lawrenceville to the facility. One out of every 350 Americans is now employed by Amazon, if you want to look at it another way. Amazon is closing in on 1 million employees in the United States, and that exceeds by 150,000, the entire workforce of residential construction industry, the residential construction industry. Well, I I don't know. I hate him. <laughs> Big is not better. And then something that I haven't spoken of. I mentioned it the other day because the news broke when I was, uh, it was on Tuesday. 
that the Pittsburgh public schools are pushing back their opening date or intending to. Nothing is for certain until uh, next Wednesday because the school board, there's another school board, has to sign off on uh, on this plan. And man, the parents are up in arms. I, they're just sick of being jerked around. On the other hand, we're all being jerked around constantly because of the virus. I mean, that's at the base of this. Because things keep changing. They didn't have to keep changing like they're changing if all the idiots amongst us had gotten the vaccine. But because they didn't, and now we've got this horrible, more deadly Delta variant, and we're in another spike, we're going to be right back where we started. You know, the people who have to make the, you know, at one point, I'm sure in the summer, the school thought, oh, well, this is going pretty well. And this, and then things change. We have to keep adjusting because we are not in charge. The virus is clearly in charge. We could have been in charge, but we're not. And I know, and I know there's a lot of anger, but I guess they don't have, they, so they don't, they knew there was a school bus shortage uh, months and months and months ago. So I am wondering about, uh, you know, they couldn't come up with something. I don't know. I don't know. We're all easily, uh, easily made angry. Uh, these days. I, I just, I don't know. Uh, the mayor, mayor for a bit more, Bill Peduto, has, as Chris Potter wittily said, has thrown the school district under the bus <laughs> by saying that uh, you can't blame COVID uh, for for this, and he's suggesting that it was uh, misadministration by the school district, and that uh, they should have had a plan. You know, a lot of us think of you know, you go to school, you get on a bus, maybe, or your parents drop you off, or you walk. There are kids, especially poorer children who go to the Pittsburgh public schools who might take two buses to get to school. They might take a bus to get them downtown and then have to transfer to another bus that gets them maybe somewhere else. And they're talking about now making the school day start at some schools like Alderdice and Obama at 7.15 in the morning. Which means that some kids who have to do that might be, you know, leaving their homes in the dark. And I, I understand. I and parents trying to make plans about can I go back to work or who's going to care. I understand why people are going insane. I, I and I don't pretend. I'm so, I so feel for parents. 
And I feel for people in the school board. I don't know if they're not doing the job. I don't know if the job they're being asked to do is impossible and things keep changing on them and they're trying to do the right thing. I don't know. I don't know. And have you noticed that this longest American war Afghanistan? Where have we been in there for 20 years? 20 years? What'd that get us? What'd it get us? I'm sorry, scream. A bunch of dead and maimed American young men and women. What were we doing there again? Will someone remind me? Afghanistan. The little country that humbled the British Empire and then humbled the might of the Soviet Union and now humbles the United States of America. We never should have been in there in the first place. We should have been gone 19 years ago. Or never gone in, I don't know. I understand the going in at the time. But then we get in and we think we're going to what? Bring democracy to them? Are you kidding? And this... I don't... I mean... Biden is saying it's time for them to defend themselves. I mean, it's their country. And I don't think many Americans disagree at this point. What are we doing? Look at our country. We need all the help we can get at the moment. But what we've got to learn is to stop going into these things in the first place. Name me a war we've won since World War II. You could possibly say, and I will, I'm thinking of one, and I'm not doing Ronald Reagan's little foray into what was that, that little teeny weeny little, (laughs) I'm not doing that where he went to rescue some grad student, medical student. What was that? I, the one that I think was actually no longer than a month or two. I don't know. It seemed like that. It was there and then it was gone. Was the one that George H.W. Bush did when he shoved Saddam Hussein back across the, was it Yemen border? And then that was his intent to get him out. No, you can't go in there. That's not your country. We, we, we pushed him back and then we went home, which always rankled the vice president at the time, Dick Cheney, who was secretary of defense at the time, Dick Cheney, who, as you know, 
managed as vice president to the son, Bush, get back into Iraq. And look where that got us. Why don't we ever learn? How stupid are we? I just, I'm just blown away by the inability uh, to learn. Just a quick share of a David Simon quote. You know, the Taliban have now seized more than two thirds of the country. We aren't even totally out and they've already taken over. So we've been there for how, well, here's the tweet. We spent a trillion dollars a trillion dollars to arm and train an army of 300,000 Afghanistani soldiers to lose a war in weeks. By that standard, the war on drugs is a relentless march to victory. We never have money for the things we need to do for ourselves. We got money for that. I have a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, um, there's two ways of looking at that Amazon. I would rather see people making 17 in our than $10 an hour at some small shopkeeper's business that doesn't have any benefits or anything. So you could look at that two different ways. I don't like Amazon either, but if it's the major employer, what are you going to do? That's It's better than 10 an hour or whatever they're paying, not even minimum wage waitresses, and then they got to get tips. So and it had, I think there's a little more job security than, than, than that other job. So in that respect, but the big problem is 3 million people are employed by the largest employer is the U.S. military. You've got a problem when you're three million of your people are employed by the military. There's something right there. I don't know if people don't realize because that McGaffrey was on the other day, that general, and he was saying that three million people were employed by the. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know we had that many. That's unreal. Well, we're very busy, our military. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You could not name the countries that we are in. We have a military presence in right now. None of us could. Yeah. And they'd shock you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we could slim, we could cut that back. And they <laughs> don't question. They don't question. I want this amount of money. Okay, you can have it. When's the time when they're all, both parties are afraid to say no? Say, you know what? You're going to get in this much. Because, um, and I believe in you have to have a strong military. I'm not arguing with that, but my God. Yeah. Yeah. You can't run a major economy with small business jobs. That was for college kids. That was for high school kids. You know, it, it was never intended. What we've done is replaced good paying factory jobs and all that with uh, and when they say they can't find help, I say, good, good. That means there's other jobs, uh, tough shit you have to close. I mean, some like Wendy's or something, tough shit, at least a job that's coming in, it pays well. They replaced all those jobs, retail, the hospitality, which never paid any money to hospitality. No, industry. no, it doesn't. Trump, I mean, Trump's a prime example of that. Just, I just uh, think it, I think we're going in the right direction, but it's slow. It's slow. 
because I know people, my friend, my neighbor next door, his son is CEO for a company, and he said they're booming. They're booming, and they make pipe. And I said, that's great. That's what I want to hear, good union jobs. That's just what Biden's talking. He's talking the old-time Democrat, mm-hmm. which I believe in unions, and that's how you get a strong middle class. Well, that's why the infrastructure uh, measure is, is so heartening, because uh, infrastructure means things got to get built. And uh, yeah, and those are good jobs. Okay. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Oh, dear God. Roger writes, last year when I visited my mother for the first time during the pandemic, I showed up wearing a mask. My mom greeted me at the door and told me, take that mask off. I want to see your face and give me a hug. I'm 85 and I'm going to die soon anyway. (laughs) I like your mom. Then Roger says to me, it's very sweet of you, Roger. You're vaccinated. Your mom's vaccinated. You'll be okay. He says, I worry about the kids on our street who visit to see our dog and cat. The rest of the unvaccinated can go to hell. What a difference a year makes. Yeah. Well, you know, the breakthrough uh, things, <laughs> infections, um, the the New York Times had a big, 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 big compiled all this stuff from all the states about breakthrough. Inf- and you know what? There was one. I So I'll go looking for Pennsylvania. It's not on the list. There were three states that the New York Times couldn't give the information for because it turns out Pennsylvania is one of the states that isn't keeping track. How come uh, How come 47 other states are keeping track of breakthroughs? So, you know, trying to get a, a, a fix on the percentage of breakthrough infections. The thing about the breakthrough infections, and I'm trying to get my head, you know, to accept this and understand it, is that the odds of a breakthrough infection landing you in the hospital are still so rare, so rare, that these this, these vaccines are working. Even if you get it, even if this friggin' Delta thing gets somehow through and you get sick, you ain't going to get so sick that you end up in the hospital or in a casket. The people in the hospital and in the caskets and body bags are those who are not vaccinated overwhelmingly overwhelmingly because they also had a chart about it's overwhelming and obviously there are more breakthroughs but the my brother told me last night that two of his friends i know both these guys too two of his friends both vaccinated one in scotland and the other in new york have both recently gotten infected and uh, the one in Scotland is 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 really not feeling well. 
but he's nowhere near having to go to a hospital. He's miserable. And the one uh, in New York says it's sort of like I've you know, got like a bad cold or something. And what I'm starting to realize is I will not be surprised if at some point I test positive. I just won't I because there's too much too much of this that is going on now. Um, but yeah, we all just got to somehow keep our balance and keep, uh, try not to lose it. So many people are losing it. I'm looking at the stuff I got here. You know, I never noted the passing of Patricia Wilde. Can I just do that very quickly? I feel bad about it. Uh, Patricia Wilde, who was the uh, the director of Pittsburgh Ballet Theater for, well, just seemed like her tenure was forever because even when she stopped being there, she was still somehow there. Uh, I'm trying to get to it. No, she, she stopped in 1996, but she was there f- as the head for 14 years. And, you know, often we don't realize how special somebody is. Uh you know, if they're local, you think, well, yeah, so the Pittsburgh Ballet Theater, big friggin' deal. Patricia Wilde was one of George Balanchine's favorite prima ballerinas. And he created works for her. She was with the New York City Ballet Performed more than 40 roles from 1950 to 1965. And the critics raved about her. I'll read you a critique. Uncommon speed, brilliant technique, and daring. She could dance at lightning speed, devouring space while her upper body moved with a calm, classical beauty. No one quite danced like she, and it's why Balanchine wanted to create works that focused on this apparently extraordinary speed that she could move. Even as, again, you know, her upper body exuded nothing but. When she came to Pittsburgh, she was one of, and still is, I think, very, one of the very few women to lead a ballet company. She raised her children here. I met her once in passing. She was just this, you know, how some, well, she held herself like a ballerina, but she wasn't just any ballerina. That's what I want to say. And one of those people who, you know, nobody has an unkind word to say about her. She really helped the Pittsburgh Ballet. And because she knew all of Balanchine's works, like by heart, 
she could do stuff here that others were unable to do. Pretty remarkable. She died um, at 93. 93. And we were, Pittsburgh was lucky to have her. Oh God, I'm, I I didn't time this right because I'm looking at information I have here that I can share with you and it's all, it's not going to leave you with something good. So let me not do it. Let me just, I was going to tell, I'm sure you've seen the story about the, the black being, uh, being a real estate agent while black. You've seen that story out of Michigan black real estate broker showing a house to a black man and his son. And the house ends up being surrounded by a whole squadron of police with their guns drawn. The realtor, his client, the son all end up handcuffed. And all because of course, a white neighbor assumed that these seeing three black people in this house uh, meant it was being robbed. When you read the account and read the father's, I mean, his, it just, you, you, you just can't. Any white person who doesn't realize that they their lived experience is unlike the lived experience of every black American. I mean, obviously, but that white Americans cannot imagine. Why can't people get this through their heads? But black Americans have had to and continue to put up with. And it's a direct result of the actions of white Americans who see black and feel fear or threat, threatened. It's impossible to not see that now and yet you see again back to the school districts you see these suburban districts now and the smaller school districts around here all insisting the white parents insisting that the schools not teach about race or make their little white children feel guilty. What is so hard for people to accept reality? If history is unpleasant, as it often is, if history makes you cringe, 
with embarrassment or shame, then so be it. It happened. You can't wish it away. And if we're going to pretend to teach our children, then you have to, you can't just teach them what? The good parts? What's that about? You tell them the truth. And the truth is often very hard to digest, right? Why are people so fearful of it? Because it interferes with their idea of what they want to believe, I guess. And they don't want to feel guilty. They don't want to cringe. Well, it's life. It's reality. Why can't, it just freaks me out how many people can't handle reality. Whether it's past, it's history, or whether it's present, or whether it's future reality, which we can see where we're heading, like with the climate. You see it. So if you're a smart, capable person, you then start taking action to ameliorate or mitigate or get ready for this thing that we can see coming. And the same people who can't handle history also can't seem to handle the future and its challenges. And they also can't handle the present, which is why you see so many of them freaking out now. The present with the vaccine crisis. I called it the vaccine crisis because that's what it's become. The cure is right there and they won't take it. I don't know what it is. What happened to these people? These extraordinarily fearful people. And fearful people are easily led and herded into groups. And they're eager to swallow anything that will make them feel empowered. And boy, are we getting a lesson in that. So, I don't know, guys. I I just, I, I hope we get through all this. I really do. <laughs> I really do. You know what's getting me through? Friends and family. And those of us who have friends and family, please remember those who don't. I have friends who don't have much family left. Remember people who could use a a friendly call or invitation. More just a little text because uh, it's all we got in the end is our, you know, each other. 
man, I'm babbling like this because I don't want to, you know, end on a totally miserable <laughs> note. So there's, there's that. Um, okay. I, I think I'm done. Uh, wish me luck. I'm concerned that, you know, cause there's thunderstorms tomorrow and that's when I leave that I won't even get out of here or I'll be stuck in the God awful germ ridden airport for God knows how long, or I'll miss my connection. And then what happens? But this is what's called anticipatory anxiety, and I excel at it. Talk to you Monday, unless for some reason I don't get back Sunday night like I'm intending to. Okay? Talk to you Monday. Stay cool if you can. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.